friends, welcome back to another studious episode of the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we take the movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my friend, co-host, and steroid-addicted fancy boy, Alex Dandino. All right, before today's just thrill ride of a journey, uh, a little business, people, it's official. Your friends here at the Film Alchemist are on Patreon. That's right, patreon.com slash Pod. For as little as a dollar a month, guys, you can get in, join the community, and help this show be exactly what you want and deserve. And we assure you, every single dollar helps, guys. It really, truly does. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, guys, you go over there, you sign up on patreon.com slash Pod. As you climb the Highlander tier ranking system, you will unlock various awards, including our Patreon-exclusive library and the ability to help us select the movies that you specifically want us to talk about. We are working hard to make sure that we're earning your dollars over there. We are reworking our tier system so it will be more content uh, more frequently, right? Better content. That's our goal over there. So we're working hard, guys. Come support the show. Join the fun please and thank you in advance make sure you go to youtube subscribe to the channel film alchemist to see our just wildly melodramatic faces our cheekbones a high school torn cheekbones uh over there on film alchemist on youtube email the show film alchemist pod at gmail.com find us on all the socials you're on we're easy to get a hold of and we love to hear from you guys and a simple thing you can do that helps the show a lot Make sure you leave a rating and review wherever you find us. Help us defeat these algorithmic crooked coaches that be keeping us down. All right. Enough business, guys. Let's uh, dust off the old loafers. Let's hit our uh, weighty, dusty tomes full of knowledge as we continue our deep dive, our study of the Bard this month. Today, we are talking about a movie... That undoubtedly caused the bard, or bards plural, to roll at a feverish rate in their graves. Just turning and rolling uh, when it came out. The movie O. This movie, on paper, seems to do everything wrong. But somehow comes out... I, I mean, on screen, on celluloid. I watched it on, yeah, on a screen. What is funny about this movie, though, is for seemingly making all the wrong choices at all the wrong times. Uh, having one of the worst scripts I've ever heard said aloud by actors who were not always up to the challenge. Which is extra insulting for a Shakespeare, I feel like. The movie finds this weird, manic, happy place where it is really captivating and uh, thrilling to watch in the way that uh, a lot of those kind of souped up lifetime movies that i used to see with my mom were uh this movie exists in a really weird sweet spot right it is always on the verge of being a complete failure but is utterly watchable and enjoyable uh alex you selected this film it's a it's a strange entry into our shakespeare no, I'm just saying, what about this movie, Captain? What about I watched this piece of shit did you enjoy so much? Hey, what I'm saying is there are a lot of movies that I think we can all agree are not the strongest uh, pieces of art. 
But to me, what is the most important goal of a movie? It is to entertain me and distract me from the world. And this movie certainly keeps the attention once it's got you. Have you ever wanted your racism 2001 quality? (laughs) (laughs) No. Okay. You already acknowledge the racism more than this movie, so Dude, that's good. Oh my God, yeah, we'll get into that. I, I honestly, I texted you like. It's 40 just kind of this, uh, this stank that kind of overpowers. Have you ever gone to have a sandwich? You're like, I'd like a sandwich, and they're like, Why don't we just put half an onion on top of it so you can only taste onion? Well, it's like that's the racism of this it, film. I, no, it is the, omnipresent. This is the racism of this film is if you ever gone to the deli and you see the pre-made sandwiches, like the deli of the supermarket, you see the pre-made sandwiches, but they've been there for like a day. You're like how much are those? You're like less than the fresh ones, and you really debate it. That's the racism in this movie. So it just doesn't age well. It's wilting on the edges. Yeah, it doesn't age well. It's wilting on the edges, and everyone keeps like passing it over for the fresh stuff. So, <laughs> and whites who like to spend too much on coffee just go. I'll turn the other cheek. <laughs> so okay, so that's O. o. So O is an adaptation <laughs> of Othello. Um, for those of you who do sure. not know, Othello is. A story of oddly misplaced revenge, and ultimately, uh, this character, a character in the original text, a character Iago sets out to uh, undo the life of a man who he um, fights with, named uh, Othello. It's a story um, of jealousy. That's what this is at its core. It's jealousy. It's so um, recontextualized. Directed by Tim Blake Nelson, by the way, which is I didn't know until today. Um, that is going to be the first exhibit into the what? Yeah. This is a movie that everything I looked into about it and almost every scene, I just go, what? This is a, <laughs> this is a movie where Griffey and I both paused at the first instance of awkward racism just to check that not a white guy wrote this. Not a white guy. A white guy did not write this movie. I was actually very adamant. I'm like, I have to check it, before we get I, I will say this up front, right? I was watching this movie and I was like, this reeks of a lensing problem <laughs> so my very first google was who wrote othello or O, and yeah sure enough not some out of touch white guy no uh yeah actually uh, this it, was, is, it was a guy who from it was a guy who's a writer for mad tv actually i mean that explains some of the comedic overtures of this film so and this is the thing i'm not going to spend all pod shitting on this no, movie no, no. it's a wild There's good no, time there's there's just things we have to address because yeah like this movie makes some it has not aged well at all it hasn't aged well uh. <laughs> this maybe this movie makes like colossal stumbles but it does have the young cast it has because like this movie came out in 2001 which was like right in the middle like probably like maybe the tail end of the big like shakespeare teen comedy boom and this is obviously one of shakespeare's tragedies they did not again it's not often that you're gonna adapt a shakespearean tragedy for high school because high school sucks anyways nobody needs to be reminded of it um but the cast is really like, the cast like mckay fiver is a wonderful actor like i think he's just fantastic um i i've always loved josh hartnett i i think he is so i think good he's a criminally underrated actor yeah. And he's gotten a well, lot he of, just kind of dropped off the face of he the did on purpose. For a while. And yeah. he's he's gotten a lot of play in the last few years, which is nice. It's nice to see right. him and stuff. But he is absolutely. I mean, that guy was like one of the it guys. Well, and you're he like, like, he's going to take the next step. And then he just. Vanished. He did like Black Hawk Down. And that was like his last big movie. And then we all saw him again in Penny Dreadful, really. 
So, yeah. but like for me, so Mackay Five Son represent Mackay Pfeiffer and Josh Hartnett do work in this movie. Man. Like they yeah. are playing off each other phenomenally. Like I think Josh Hartnett is one of the most diabolical characters you've ever seen as a villain in a movie. He's fantastic. Yeah. But then you also he, go like further down the, the list. He's also the only character who knows what movie he's in. Right? It yeah. feels like he's this guy who is we're almost watching like a virtual reality simulation of what he thinks is going to happen when he makes right. these plans. Well, in a movie where the most sympathetic character is the drug dealer, you you have to really figure out who's going to be uh who's going to be your, who's going to be your spirit animal throughout the film. Um, I, I'm not kidding you. Like Dell, the drug dealer is my favorite character in this movie. Cause the pharmacist. He's like, yeah. Cause he's like, I know exactly what I'm doing here. Like that actually is the second character who understands not only what movie is he in, but what world he lives in. Um, <laughs> but the adaptation is again, the adaptation does some things correctly in ways that I think work. Like it's an uncomfortable thing to reset a story like this though at a North Carolina, if I'm correct, either way, yeah. it's in the South. Uh, one of a, the Carolinas, one I of think the Carolinas, Carolina. a prep school in one of the Carolinas. Like you see wilting willows, which is very beautiful. It provides a lot of great imagery. Yeah. It's basically at a prep school called Palmetto Grove, which clearly <laughs> used to be a plantation, which is very uncomfortable. If I'm being honest, Let, let's just talk about, the biggest fucking question mark decision of this fucking film. You're going to say it. <laughs> I'm not going to say it, right? I This is just a very obvious question that had I been an executive producer on this film would have said, why is this a story about high school students? Oh, I was not um, expecting you to say that, he, actually. <laughs> it's, it's the biggest thing with this movie is no one in this movie looks like a high school kid necessarily. But more importantly, these people do not act like high school. There's a scene. This is a literal scene in this movie. What am I? Wait, what? So Josh Hartnett and Mackay Pfeiffer, right? Over the course of what feels like two days of like, let's just burn our whole lives down. It's fine. And Mackay Pfeiffer finds out he thinks that his girlfriend is cheating on him. Mm Mm-hmm. That's it. Just that, like she's probably having sex with this other guy. He has no fucking hard evidence. He doesn't ask essentially any questions. No. That's another like running gag of the film is no one questions anything well, that's happened. Even though, gag of, but this is the this thing. Is running gag of Shakespeare. This is the actual line. He finds out the guy's cheating. He just goes, Hugo, how are we going to kill this motherfucker? And Hugo goes, big step. That's a big step. And I was like, Murder's not a big step. You're in fucking high school. You're a fucking sophomore in high school. What is happening? Well, see, here's the thing. You got hung up on the wrong detail. It's like, big step, big step. Here's my minute-by-minute play of how we'll do it. I'm like, whoa. Yeah, besides the just like Zapruder film version of the the perfect play. What I'm saying is when you put this movie in context, right? You're like, if this was like a young 20-somethings movie, Right. right? I feel like you could maybe like let some of this slide. The things that these high school children are getting up to and the decisions they're making are fucking. I mean, well, this is the thing. I mean, I feel like the only apt on, word on, is on, bananas. This is why this seems so remote because we know it's high school. This is like, this is always the recontextualization I have to do. Cause I remember watching this and I remember thinking it was actually, I remember thinking like, when I was much younger, it was very interesting. 
This is the first time I've it watched it. And like, this movie is objectively not particularly good, but it does make some interesting choices. Here's the difference, though, is because it's a preparatory school and everybody yeah. lives on campus, my lensing changes considerably, and I automatically start thinking they're college students because I'm not, I didn't go to prep school. I didn't live in dorms or anything like that until I was in college. So my concept of living in dorms is only collegiate. So when I think about that and I think about like when I was that age watching this movie, like this is 2001. So I was in high school when I was watching this movie when I was in high school. And then when I would be watching it, if I was in college, my relation to that is only a college experience. Yeah. So I think they're banking on that a lot in that not a lot of rich rich people watched this movie and did went to like a private school where they stayed in like a boarding school and stayed in the dorms. Not all yeah. of us went to Hogwarts, you know? I mean, that's that's fine, right? The uh, oh, look at these fucking poor rich kids and their sad fucking tales pretty much works universally because most of us are like, oh, you go to that. Like, that's who these people are. All right, well, fuck them. Whatever happens, happens. Um, or at least I do. That, but again, let's remember when we lived in dorms in college, we're still fucking children. I think I was like 18 the last year I lived in the dorms, maybe my first legal year as an adult. If I was getting up to the things in this fucking movie, it would have still been insane front page news. <laughs> this happened in my town that this I, I think it's just such a strange just just the fact that it's like we're going to start off with this classy doves in Latin opening and Josh Hartnett's doing his thing. It's good. You're like, all right. All right. Basketball. You're like, all right, we're in it now. Like, let's go. They fucking put the little latch down. You're like, I hope I'm not so fat. This roller coaster is going to eject me. Let's well, go. Well, we're not only that, they they start us on the basketball game with, I think, playing like the worst basketball team ever. Like, you know, what's weird, though? This the basketball in this movie not as bad as a lot of basketball I've seen in films. No, I liked the basketball playing. The players though, like clearly are getting out of the way for Mackay Pfeiffer to do his thing. I'm not saying he's not a skilled ball handler. What I'm saying right. is, is like people are literally like, all right, now I'll walk to this other place where I'm supposed to be in the right. script. It's very like yeah. there's like there's one scene particularly when he's like when O gets in this in the face of this one guy and the kid just has like no reaction, I'm like, is that an actor? Or is that like someone who showed up for the day and they're like, oh god, this other guy bailed. Can you just like be in the scene? He's just an extra. He's, He's just... like, what's my motivation? I have a final tomorrow in shop class. Right, just getting dunked on. Dad puts the cigs out on my arm when I spill paint. No wait, that's Bender. Uh, uh. Yeah. no. Uh, it's uh, yeah, it's an eight foot rim. Whatever. It, it's it's <laughs> again. Uh, the basketball sequences are choreographed really well. Again, and then Martin Sheen is um, the fucking coach. He's the Duke. Like, he's supposed to be the Duke of Venice in the original. Yeah. So he's the Duke. <laughs> yeah. Um, Martin now- Sheen doing his best impression of his character from Apocalypse Now, aged like 40 years and for some reason coaching young men in basketball. If his takeaway from Vietnam is... I should just fucking hate taxes and young people. Yeah, <laughs> let's go. Uh, no, it's it's strange because the one basketball thing this movie does that I don't like is every single point ends with two characters just fucking tit to tit, like their nipples were sewn together by the human centipede doctor. And I was like, guys, that's not how sports work. People throw fists if that happens like yeah. twenty five times. Row. Neither here nor there. Right. The setup of this movie is that Hugo Josh Hartnett. 
poor, poor little baby, right? He can't be a hawk because he's not a natural MVP, right? He's a utility he's man. He's a utility man. And his dad likes, uh, oh, so his, dad not a, his corrupt guy. father, which they add later. The lo- corrupt father he he not loves only him likes, like a son. No, loves Odin like a son. And then, yeah. inste- and then Odin gets the MVP award to share right. with Michael Cassio, who is the sophomore. So yes, Hugo, cult leader Andrew Michael Keegan. <laughs> so cult leader Andrew Michael Keegan gets to share in the glory yeah. of Odin, and <laughs> Hugo is skipped over. So Hugo then in their plots to destroy Odin's Andrew life. Michael Keegan in real life's like, I think I should have played Hugo. I'm going to take a swing at it on these streets and bananas crushed. again. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, and cut, please and God, cut. Well done. No. <laughs> yeah. Let's go back to the drawing board. Um. No, but the, the setup is, right, you know, my dad loves him like a son. He doesn't even love me, his own son, like a son. Right. All right, so this leads us to, again, I think this movie has one of the most just waffer-thin plots I've ever <laughs> experienced. The, 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 no, the, no. the revenge story of this film is hard to comprehend to say the least, right? Because we go from... It's really not. I'm mad that my dad loves this guy, so I'm going to start fucking with him, right? Okay. So we go to the party where he tells his friend Eldon Henson, you can have Julia Stiles, because we're going to break him up, right? Right. Has literally no plan for that except for, hey, go get your fucking face boxed in, right? Right. Okay, we're going to go like do this. Oh, no, I forgot. Their first plan is... We're going to call her dad, who's the principal. Yeah, we're going to call him. And just say that he's a rapist. John Heard, who plays the principal, is called. It's like a random call and says, hey, I think your daughter is getting raped by this kid. And and this is the thing. So our super genius Hugo, right? We didn't get a Zapruder film for this, so we clearly didn't think this one out as well. They just throw that accusation out and don't even have anyone else in on it. Like, they like, don't ask Julia Stiles well, like, if she's going to cooperate favorite, the story. So my favorite – okay, this is, like, leads to my favorite um, – like, one of my, one of my top five favorite interstitching inter- of scenes is – so then it cuts to them during the team meeting. And, uh, <laughs> like, again, Martin Sheen's, like, clearly just really way up on uppers. And he's trying to describe <laughs> – he's trying to describe the next play. And he gives the – Almost like so he's he's talking in um Hugo, he says, Hugo, you need to be down on the blind. He goes, I'll be wherever you need me to, Dad. And he immediately throws an eraser yeah. at him, like, Yeah, that's yeah. a totally normal thing. And then the principal walks in, completely yeah. forgetting, and they're like, Dean, you're welcome here. It's like, wait, who runs this school? Good lord. Yeah, no, Martin Sheen's essentially playing like a dad who just loves conspiracies and Joe Rogan and he gets like right. discounts well, on on it supplements. Martin Sheen's basically <laughs> doing like a buttoned up Bobby Knight. And that's like, yeah, <laughs> may, I mean, maybe it is. a bit. Yeah. It's, Bob but, Knight was way more hardcore in these streets. Why, than that's Martin why Sheen. I said, that's why I'm saying buttoned up. He doesn't, yeah. he's, he's not all the way out there, man. He's only abusing his own child, right? Yeah. Bobby Knight was abusing so many well, children. Well, he's Southern, so he doesn't have anything to prove. Like, when you're in Indiana, you have to like prove that you can be as hard as the South guys. How fucking <laughs> dare you? Who's your hard, baby, all day? No, that's neither here nor there. Got my Bobby uh, Knight reference in. It's just... Uh, uh, it's so, All right, let's go to my next, like, baffling um, moment. Fucked up. 
fucked up. Yeah. So then we find out Josh Hartnett's just on steroids, which adds nothing to the story. I thought that would come back in a big way. It doesn't. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He shaved half a second off his 40. I'm like, that is not a lot. It dude. shows you that get he's your like, fucking money back. Yeah, he's, he's cheating the edges, right? He's really feeling the pressure. All right. Not only that, though, right? But they this is kind of where they lay out the like thesis of the film, right? I always wanted to be like a hawk. There's some things in life you just can't have Hugo. There's no reason to drive yourself crazy over him, right? Whatever. That being his father's love, apparently. Now, this is something that just happened in 90s movies constantly. People just sneaking into windows. Yeah. Because, so not only does he just sneak into the window, but this is an anatomy of a scene, right? Let's do a small microcosm of what is so strange. Are you talking about the first time O shows up in Desi's room? The first time he shows up, right? He's just been confronted by her father as a potential rapist. So instead of like, hey. Instead of backing off. (laughs) Yeah. Let's crawl into this window, take our shirts off, and just go like tit to tit. Take our shirts off. Rub each other. Take our shirts off. Bribe the roommate with like, I guess, a mixtape. Not even. This is the thing. This scene happens for what feels like three minutes. And O starts taking his shirt off before she goes, hey, my roommate's here. The roommate, by the way, who stares at everyone like a serial killer, has been laser focused on the man that she secretly wants. Oh, and he just goes, nah, it's cool. And I was like, what the fuck is oh, happening? Like no, like, no, Emily's cool. Here's some. Here's a CD. Now put on your headphones yeah. and please turn away. It's you're like, that's that's it. But but this is this is an anatomy of what this movie's doing, right? Is it's like we have to get this in for the plot. That they like to lay naked together like you're supposed to do with a newborn, right? When you have a baby, they're like, take your shirt off, roll the baby around on your teats, right? So they get your scent on them, your musk or whatever, and it like genetically programs them, whatever the fuck, right? That's what they do instead of having sex stuff. While the roommate watches and is like imagining how many fillets she can make out of them, I'm assuming. Yeah. And the movie just does these things, right? This... I love you so much. I give you well, all these so, these ancient trinkets. What? But this is, well, and this on. is the thing. So the movie is setting up this unbelievable scene where you're like, nothing in this scene could happen. And then just to add the icing on the cake, Julia Stiles literally says, "I'm sprinkling." Why it can't on. I say the n word? Sprinkling. We're good. Listen, it's important. We what? On. Well, we got to sprinkle on a little bit of racism. You know, we just got to address what's going on clearly in the movie. Like, because absolutely no right. one's addressed up to this point. And this is probably like 15 <laughs> minutes into the movie. No one has addressed that Odin is the only black kid at this school. Yeah. So we have to address that because, you know, apparently we're just a world of like, listen, we're not going to talk about it. What are we going to talk about in this movie? Right. So, but th- so your character it, who we're supposed to be like, this is a good person, well, right? You could argue by the end of the film, she's done nothing wrong. She's just like, I don't understand well, why so I can't she, say the N-word. So he says it. Like, it's like this playful thing where he's talking about, they're talking about, like, how he, how they fell in love. Even though it's not really love, it's like, this is how I got in your pants. He says it. Well, in her, her tube top, I guess. Yeah. yeah. He says it. What base is just rubbing your nipples on each other? Uh, that is, is a that- walk. That's like <laughs> that's that's an, that's an intentional walk, I believe. That's not even a suckle, dude. That's pitiful. That's that's an intentional walk. At um, best, it's a hit by pitch. You got there, but you're not feeling great about yourself. Yeah. No, hit by pitch is like graze over the jeans. 
This is just an intentional walk. Okay. The so, old the old fucking dry you, hump where you just get that wound right up. This the is top the intentional here. walk. My mom listens. You've I'm stared, sorry. You've stared long enough, so now you can walk to base. So, so sports. It's like fuck it. It's baseball, dude. No one's watching. Go. So, um, he says it. She turns away in disgust, and he's like, "Now listen. This is why I can say it." And he says it like two more times, and then she has the audacity to come back with. Well, why can't I say it? My people invented the word. I'm like, not a point of pride. You should be expounding from the rooftops. Yeah. It, I, <laughs> it is. Be, I texted you. I'm like, I forgot this is what her response yeah. was to why can't I say the N word? Not Had <gasps> Julia Stiles character been allowed to grow to the age of Martin Sheen, she would have had a Joe Rogan style <laughs> compilation yeah. of her definitely saying the word she thinks she should be allowed For to say. For sure. But that's what I mean. So that film in microcosm is a nothing fi- like that. That scene is worth zero percent narratively. <laughs> um, it does put Julia Stiles in an unwinnable spot where we don't like her. Right. In a movie where she is constantly being asked to say lines that in the most generous read, she was never helped to get to a performance that is worth watching um, to be generous with that. So this scene is nothing but a cement shoe on the film total we're watching. But you are so fucking confounded by what you're watching <laughs> yeah. that you're just like, I have to see the next scene. You're so confounded by the brush brush past the obvious racism that's happening at the school. And you're just like, I guess we're just moving on. Like, we're not even we don't even have time to focus on it. We got to get to the next thing. Yeah, it's just it, it's so. <laughs> Again, like, look, I, we're not a kind of show that harps on this a lot, but uh, honestly, like, a movie set in the South about a white kid setting up a black kid to literally ruin his life, and you're just like, we're not even going to address, like, the four See, trillion pound elephant in the room that clearly is, like, a huge stake in the story. That If that's the movie they were making... That should have been Fine. the movie they were making. There that's are a like, lot of movies that saying. are that exact story, right? That's that what I'm like saying. That we like and have seen. What... The, these fucking diversions. They brush right? past Just the it fact so that, like, in the middle of the film, Hugo steals the bird. And then the next scene that we hear his dad saying when he's yelling at them on the court, I don't care if you have to grab his pistler. Pizzler. Yeah, and you, you, like, freeze and you're like, wait, wait, wait. Are there grown men that call penises pizzlers? And, like, you're, it's just this, like, oh, oh, oh. I mean, it must be what it was like to hear, like, kiss for the first time. You're like, so many things are happening and none of it makes sense. Why are they doing disco? Uh, 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 uh. It's just this assault on your mind. So, okay. So this is what starts. So what starts happening is the, the, um, the, the, the seed gets planted that maybe Desi is a fucking cheater. Yeah. And like, again, <laughs> this is something I've always had a problem with with Shakespeare, like Shakespeare stories in general. Cause I've, we, I remember, like in middle school and high school, like we had to do Shakespeare units a lot. We'd read these things, and there's just like there are logic leaps that you have to take because, look, to put be to be frank, like people of that era were dumb. Like you know, there's a lot of people who thought you know the Earth was the center of the universe, and there's a lot of the, a lot of that kind of shit going around. So like, the plot is too simple for a modern audience, like because. We all communicate with each other. We are a living, breathing species that talks to one another. 
absolutely no one in this movie asks the proper questions like we say at the top. So the Not issue... the proper questions. They don't ask a fucking hang question on. ever. But that, <laughs> hang on. But that's the issue. Like, this is like the part of the... This is the part that, in my opinion, why iambic pentameter versions of modern Shakespeare stories work better. Because when we are in iambic pentameter, we know that there's a suspension of disbelief occurring. No one talks like that now. If they do, they get their ass kicked. So what we're in a situation of is... You wouldn't want to go to a fucking day drink with the guy who just speaks in fucking pentameter? Yeah, believe it or not, I'm not super stoked about hanging out with the guys. To be or not to be. Like, shut the fuck up, dude. So, but when we're watching a, when we're watching a Shakespeare adaptation, when it's adapted into modern context with iambic pentameter, the suspension is real. So we're like, okay, we're not watching anything real. This is fake this is weird so i think in my opinion a lot of the time we're willing to let go of what i think is required of a no of modern audience which is like guys come on you can't just like yeah th this is like putting a mustache on and being like i don't know where he is like it's like the mustache is a disguise it's not a thing you can tell who that person is even if he has a mustache on when you have modern <laughs> modern recontextualized dialogue of a shakespeare adaptation what starts to happen is you're like, wait a second, people talk normal in this movie. Why is there, why is no one having a conversation? Like, why wouldn't you just immediately <laughs> walk and be like, are you fucking someone else? No. Is she fucking someone else? She is not. All right. That's the end of that. Like, it's a very like, yeah. like, so what's hard about, oh, and I think what, where it really falls flat and like fails miserably is that you cannot suspend disbelief. Not just because of the movie and the context where it happens, but you cannot suspend disbelief because everyone is speaking in normal. Everyone not no one's speaking in platitudes, except for when they go on their weird little runs of like, just trying to make it through, bro. Just trying to make it through. No one talks like that. But well, Julia Stiles has like this line that is just like gobsmacking. She goes, "You are tripping me out right now," and I was like, "Guys, I've always see, been straight. Thing, I have always been straight with you." What, what I'll nope. say, though, that this movie, I think in a weird way, it does accomplish this massive suspension of disbelief to me. Because instead of pentameter, it uses this just it just has all of the veneer and stank of like those lifetime thrillers. Right. Sure. Where it tells you right away. These these people are just props that we're going to throw into the cringe vat or the sex vat. Or the violence vet, right? Like, you you know there are only the... It's like going to uh, In-N-Out, right? Like, there's only X amount on the menu. If you're lucky, maybe you'll get some of that secret shit. But even the secret shit's just kind of reworked the same right. shit. And this movie just knows very basically... Because this is the weird question of the movie to me is, who is the audience for this film? Because watching it as a teenager, you're like, yeah, I'm not dealing with any of well, the kind of problems these people are. Well, and I think that's the experiment of O is yeah. because this, again, this came out the first two. So Romeo plus Juliet comes out. Huge right. success. Massive hit. Yeah. Massive hit. It is traditional iambic pentameter, like recontextualized modern. It's Baz Luhrmann. So there's an element of fantasy to it. The next one that comes out is 10 Things I Hate About You, which is an adaptation of Taming the Shrew. Taming the Shrew. Ten massive hit as well. Ten Things I Hate About You, massive hit. Taming the Shrew is very popular. It's one of his more popular comedies. Anytime they've done a comedy, it does very well because you can recontextualize those pretty easily and not have the pitfalls you might have with, say, a tragedy like Othello 
or Macbeth, which we talked about last right. week. The problem is when we the problem is the experiment of can you do a Shakespearean tragedy in high school? Like I said already, not really, because the like the end result of all Shakespearean tragedies is somebody dies. And while people die all the time in high school, we don't necessarily applaud that kind of stuff. So avoiding that issue altogether, I think, is the problem. We don't want to watch kids scheme and kill each other in the end. It's just right. Not, it's 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 a, if it, if it's just sexual politicking, right? If it's different. as Josh Hartnett said, where white girls are horny snakes. Again, I was wait, huh? What? And I was all, like, tell me more. Evidence, all evidence to the contrary, but please go on. Yeah. <laughs> it's, okay. It's just one of those things you hear and you're like, well, that wasn't on my bingo card for today, but hey, I got that in the repertoire now. Cool. But that's what I mean. If if it's literally just this this plot of intrigue, right? It kind of works. And you can even do this in, you know, like slasher films. Do a lot of this overly sexualized, overly competent teenagers played by 30-year-olds getting hacked up, right? All right. So mm-hmm. we've seen that. Again, though, going into a Scream film, you, you're you checking your emotions at the door for yeah, the most you know part. You're not, you're not bringing in a real thing. This movie kind of walks this razor-sharp just garrot wire thin line over just like a shark tank and lava and acid. And it's like, maybe there's like a very small net it can land on in the middle because you, you take this thing, right? And instead of sexual politics, it's there's, there's just this huge racial component. Uh, they just throw in for good measure, this sexual assault question. Yeah. Uh, and then you start having actual fucking murders and bullying. And it's, it's it, and it's it's played out so nonchalantly. Well, I think what, so the well, I think that like I want the sexual assault thing. So in the middle of the like literally the forty two minute mark in the middle of this movie, yeah. Oh, rapes Desi. It's, and this is and the a, weird, and it is a vicious scene too. Like it is not. It's shot yeah. really like shot really plainly, really nastily. Like to so the effect is very real. But here's my problem with that. And again, I've never read the original Othello other than like Cliff Notes stuff. I don't think that scene is in the play. So what you're doing is you're taking this person who's supposed to be the victim of the story. is a man who is supposed to be a good guy. Yeah. And you're making him like, you, like from that moment on, you're like, I really don't care what happens to him now. Yeah. I don't want him to die, but man, he raped that girl. That's not okay. It's, I mean, I think it's safe to assume that it was not in the original, and if I it was, really hope so. It was hopefully done with some fucking art, because, like you said, this is it's it's gross. shot like a student film. It yeah. it it's it's just shot gross. There's no romance in it, and this is a thing you read a lot about movies where uh, there are sex scenes shot, right? Yeah. And part of the job as a crew and a director is to kind of protect these actors in that performing moment, right? That the sex should have some kind of narrative value. And you're kind of, you're, you're, you know, you're giving them a safe area to then be vulnerable in this spot. And this is just kind of a, a cringy version. And the fact that while he, cause she is opening up with this, do anything you want to me, right? I want to be available to you. So they start, yeah. 
just this really weird sex scene that goes on for shockingly long. It's way when too long. When he sees uh, now cult leader Andrew Michael Keegan or whatever his name is. He sees cult leader Andrew Keegan's There's an photo. Andrew Keegan some other name, whatever. I used to have drinks with this guy occasionally. He's a very strange guy. Uh, neither here nor there. Obviously. That's a story for another day. Um, God, yeah. He, that's, a, that's a weird tale in and of itself. Neither here nor there. I could have been in the cult. But I wasn't. When he sees himself in the mirror as him humping his girlfriend, he then just starts going to town and she's saying, no, 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 no. Yeah. And the movie just leaves that there and doesn't acknowledge it until she goes and is defending O to the serial killer roommate. And it is just one of those things where when you when you look at this movie now where we're at. Right. And I would not make the leap to say that we are you know now an enlightened society that we are not. gets it right <laughs> on these kind of sexual violent acts yeah um this is just like blatantly hard to watch it's it's really yeah i mean i think student film quality is a great way to put it it's not and here's the other thing right besides it's that not pleasant how the fuck are we as an audience supposed to recover who, how are we in supposed to root film. for this guy? Because this it's only a tragedy if we feel sad for O at the end. And I kind of don't. like. By the end of the film, he's done at least three things that in my mind you're like, like yeah, this guy, this guy there's a is, point, is a bad man. There's a point, and this is something we talked about last week with Throne of Blood. Like The adaptation, the, the, the thing that makes Throne of Blood so different and so unique is that it lays the blame squarely on Macbeth. Um, it, 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 it is about his hidden desires. And right. that's really what the story is about. I think what sucks about the way O presents Odin's downfall is like, wait, like you're supposed to, when you, oh, when the movie opens, cause I always assume like there is this air of mystery around Odin's past and this kind of thing. So, Everyone has these assumptions, which again goes to this huge racial component that absolutely never gets addressed in this movie. But the assumption is that Othello's from, or that Odin is from a bad part of town. Like, grew up on the wrong they side. Had to of do a lot of work to, had to bring do a lot him of work into to this get, school. Yeah. yeah, like he's not like there's a like in the the when he's confronted about whether or not he raped Desi in the beginning of the movie before he actually does. He it. had a past with the He's police. He's like, yes. I don't do that. I don't do that shit anymore. Like that kind of stuff. Like there's some sort of past that we are never really, that's alluded to, but we're never, we never know about. So like there's an air of mystery around him so that by the end, when he starts going down the list, is like, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a crack baby. I wasn't any of these things like listing all these horrible things that, like people would think about him. Yeah, the stereotypes, yeah. The really horrible, awful stereotypes. By then, you're like, but you're also becoming the self-fulfilling prophecy, and that's not who we want to be the person who's the victim of this movie. Because, like, it's that. It's, like, I don't care. Do drugs, whatever. Do your thing. But then, like, ripping the basketball hoop off and, like, shoving that kid, like, becoming an irredeemable asshole. Now, here's the thing, though, right? That's an interesting moment you bring up. Because to me, right, Mackay Pfeiffer is wonderful in this film. He's right? so good. That scene makes perfect sense in context to me, right? 
the basketball court is his safe zone. Sure. Right. That is where he's in control. Mm-hmm. All the bullshit of the world melts away. Right. So he's performing at this dunk contest that has a fucking Confederate flag, the New South dunk contest. Right. His Dude, coach is wheeling and dealing flag. Whew. Hey, man. Again, that's another thing that we're not as enlightened on as we still were. We never bring up. She but it is strange. These were in like big wide release movies. It's just like normal things that no one would question. Right. Good Lord. Um. You know, and, and Sheen's over there wheeling and dealing. He's trying to, you know, get a good deal out of Odin for himself at the next st- level. Right, right. So for him in that moment to be overwhelmed, right, his safe space is not his safe space. There's no other team. It's just him on the floor. And he mm-hmm. looks up, and he his mind is playing tricks, and he runs and rips that fucking rim off and then taunts them with it, right? And the kid tries to take his ball, right, get off the court and go back into this harsh reality. That is using your setting and context in a in a wonderful way to relend Shakespeare and get where you're going, right? That scene to me is fantastic. The other what what the ending of this movie does, which I was so startled by, is because again, Macbeth is a self fulfilling prophecy movie. That's not what this film is, right? Right. No, Othello, Othello is a good man who is manipulated by yeah. his friend. In, in the, it, it's almost startling to look back now on, on some of the, the murky waters this movie swims in. But the fact that they just took his agency as a human being away and that he never does any investigating. The fact that he's on the verge of this bright and wonderful future and so cavalierly throws it all away without doing... The very basic, Any, the most basic homework, just, just absolute basic. He never like, asks his friend if he's fucking his friend, or just like anybody out. Yeah, like or you could go either like, directly to Michael or anybody outside the right. initial group. Like, hey, have you seen any evidence of this? I have not. Hmm. Right, or you know what's weird is Hugo told me to hang out with her. What? What? Pray tell. And then Hugo's like, "Kaka, I'm a hawk. Okay, Don't look at me." Even worse. <laughs> okay, like, and but this is and. Actually, this is always the part that really pisses me off in the movie is and this is the thing that is so this is the part of the adaptation that does not work. That like the deceit that happens on stage traditionally in a play doesn't work in this context is when he goes in to ask for his so his grandmother's scarf, which is a, a handkerchief in the original play, but his grandmother's scarf is this uh family heirloom. Mm-hmm. He um or his mother's scarf. I can't remember. He passed down through his family. He gave it to Desi. He's like, I feel like we're family already. He asks for it back. He just wants to see it. She can't find it. Emily, who had stolen it for Hugo, is in the room. Mm-hmm. And when she says, I can't find it, she like gives a haunting look of like, well, I know where it is, but I'm not telling him. She's like, yeah. Okay. Are you really that awful? Like, cause right. by the end, it seems like you're not supposed, you're not supposed to think she's terrible. But she clearly I think is. You can, you can somewhat justify that scene, right? She she wants Mackay Pfeiffer and will never have How? him, right? Josh Hartnett says it is for a prank, right? And then she is going to get laid by Josh Hartnett. And she's like, this is all I had to do was steal a scarf to find love. And it almost is this really sad moment. It's very sad. The, the difference is, right... <laughs> Not only does she just look at everyone like a serial killer, right? So we almost feel bad for Mackay Pfeiffer in that scene. He's bringing in aggression 
and a ferocity that is not okay. And you think as a roommate who later is shown to actually have loved Julia Stiles as a friend would step in and be like, dude, come on. What the fuck? Discard. So this is, it's that's what I'm saying. Like, why would she not step in when he sees how like, and this is also the scene. What precedes this is the beginning of the scene is her talking like Julia Stiles is literally pleading Mackay Pfeiffer's case. Like, well, it's okay. Like he's just under a lot of pressure. He was like, you said no. Like, what's the matter? Like, Dude, that's not cool. So, like, for her to know that and then for that scene to occur, that is the part that I find so villainous. And you're that's the part where I'm like, yeah. I also don't care at the end that Emily gets it. Like, there's a whole other it's, aspect of that. It, it, it's, hard, it, it's hard sledding, right? Because when you do teen melodrama, almost all teen melodramas center around the these kids at this kind of coming-of-age plateau and they start dabbling in things that are well above their capability to handle them in fact way above the capability of a lot of adults right Right. once you start adding drugs and you know violence and sex and all these kind of you know things that that bring us down to our base desires right what shakespeare plays with a lot what do we want and what are we willing to do to get it the the movie just never all the way settles on. Is this a lifetime thriller movie, right? Is this going to be Mackay Pfeiffer running through this movie trying to solve a mystery? Right. Or are we just watching a slow character assassination for the entire film? And I think that by the ending, right, Mackay Pfeiffer is doing so much good work to try to salvage this journey. And even his final speech, right? You know, that I'm not what you think I am, right? I was a good man twisted up by this fucking piece of shit. Right. Josh Hartnett. Is kind of hard to sell me after you just strangled your girlfriend girlfriend. without asking her the specific question. Did you cheat? You just assumed. Like, you say you're twisted up. It's like, but you did none of your work. Like, that is, I think, ultimately, that is the real... And again, I'm not familiar with the original text as much as I am with others. But that to me is the fatal flaw of O is that by the end, I do not like by the end, Odin has made his bed like by not by being willfully ignorant and not doing any of his own homework. I kind of like you're like, dude, like it's over for you, but you did it to yourself. Like he gives that like. And again, like the opener of that speech is so bruised, like it's over for me. My life's over. And while you people are hanging out here just enjoying and telling stories about how crazy I am, this is the real thing. And it's it's insane. Like that and again, like he's so good. And there there's a way they could have gotten there and let him just land that fucking movie, right? right, Because that is a great great scene. The problem is, is yeah, when you you have this guy committing such horrible acts, right? He strangles someone to death. He's planning a fucking murder. Planning a murder. He's, you know, doing God knows what, right? Procuring gun, what? all this shit. They never give us the scene where O stops and, thinks. and just assesses the fucking situation. Like, never. hey, man, I'm Odin, the MVP. I can figure this out. And if Julia Stiles doesn't want me, I have enough value in myself to fucking try to figure this out or wait it out. He he so easily throws in 
Um, and that's I think this is also a hard thing. I just I don't think Julius Styles ever matched Makai Pfeiffer. I don't think so. So either. the ability to buy into that relationship in the first she, part is really hard. There's another there's one scene in the movie where you're wondering if maybe finally he'll like click and be like, this just all set. like it's like this is now sounding fake. And it's right before he goes out. It's right after he snorts the coke before he goes out for the for the dunk contest. And Hugo meets him and like starts talking about it. And he had, I mean, and again, like, man, Mackay Pfeiffer, this is another like beautiful scene where he's like crying and he's like, first time I saw her, it's like the first time yeah. I wanted to do anything great. Like, holy shit, this guy is like turning in a performance here, man. Yeah. And then he, you know, and then Hugo's like, I don't know. Like, all I know is that that bastard said he was with him last night and he goes, God damn it, God damn it. Like that yeah. whole thing, which is fucking brilliant. Yeah. There's, Those two together, every scene they're every in together, scene they're together is, is incredible. Fucking fire, but yeah. It's where this is where I'm like, okay, this is the moment that you should have been doing your homework. Like, and this is the part where you're like, this adaptation is losing me because the logic tree doesn't work. Is when he tells this lie that in private, Desi and Michael call him and call him the N word, which again. Would which they laid the groundwork when Julia Stiles said, I think I've yeah. earned the right to say that. Which word. we've Chekhov's N-word. Um, we're at the very, you know, we're in the middle of this movie when it comes up again. And we're like, okay, well, that's a step too far, isn't it? Like, this is where Odin would go, no, like, come on, man. Like, we've been over this. Like, she doesn't but, even like the word. Like, yeah. That's the moment that that's supposed to happen in real life. And that's the problem right. with the movie is we're dealing with real life. We're not dealing with flights of fancy in a Shakespeare show. Yeah. What we're dealing with is someone's real life. Who's like about to change. He's about to make a decision to change his life for the worse. Worst. The difference is too, is it on the stage, hard. right? Yeah. Like you're, you're more of a stage guy than me, right? But on the stage, there is a lot of just speaking the emotions and the journey, right? Sure. It's not as much plot laden as a film can be sometimes. The problem with a film, a visual medium, right? The show me, don't tell me medium mm -hmm. is when Odin reveals in a moment when he has no reason to lie. The moment I saw her, I wanted to do great things. I want to marry her, whatever. Right. You can't have that moment. And then you never show us one moment where he's fighting for her. Right. Exactly. He if it means the rest that of the much, movie why is caring. he not fighting for it? Right. It's he's violently lashing out. But in the way a cartoon would, it's it's really hard to watch because Mackay Pfeiffer is so fucking earnestly. Right. Mackay Pfeiffer is doing it. this really great job of making me believe this man should not like. It's making me root for someone who's done objectively terrible things in this movie, and I want him to figure it out. Like the whole time, you're like screaming right. at your TV, like, "Dude, just ask one fucking person in this school." Did you hear this? Is it wrong? And make that one person Desi. Desi. Fucking or talk Michael. to her. Yeah. Like, literally walk up you're to Michael and be co -MVP. Like, You're fucking co-MVP. Walk up to your co-MVP and be like, hey, dude, did you fuck my girl? Like, that's the, that's the end of the, like, no. All right. Like, I guess that's the end of it. Where'd like, you get that scarf? Hugo. Hugo. What? what? That guy? Yeah. Like, there's like. All, I know all it's it, not as interesting as the grainy ass film. <laughs> all It's not as interesting as the Zapruder film. But, like, all yeah. you have to do is at. <laughs> That's the then that's the problem. Like in a play yes. on stage, you can make that work because it's an oratory art 
and people are soliloquying in most in yeah. all all of Shakespeare shows. So when people soliloquy, yeah. they're telling everyone their private innermost thoughts. You can't do that in a movie unless like somebody is actually being filmed talking to themselves, which is fine. And yeah. they've done it before. It works. You can not necessarily like this. And here's but the thing, here. though, right? I keep coming back to this. This is going to sound like we're being very mean to O. I I think that's probably a fair assessment, right? The script is bad. Julia Stiles is very bad. Whatever, right? We've gotten our kind of our gripes out. Sure. I think what it comes back to, right, is that with that the thing is too is is that sometimes you're meanest to the people you love, right? Because you know there's good there. What is so hard about this movie at times? Is there are wonderful scenes. Yeah. So, like, let's the, the journey that you want to be on with O, right? This good guy that through trauma and lies is taken to a place he makes bad decisions mm-hmm. is so false and unearned in this movie. I agree. That when O finally shoots himself, there's no way to feel anything, right? right. Except for anger at the storytellers. Because I just watched him strangle Julia Stiles. Right. I and be fooled that... by the easiest plot. The the difference is, is when you take that journey and you mirror it to Eldon Henson's journey, right? This is a, a kid whose father is the big-time guy, and he's the invisible man of the school. He pines over Desi and can't have her. Uh, Hugo becomes this, you know, I'll help you, whatever, this Fengali, and leads him down this dark path, which sets him on a collision course with... Uh, Keegan, Andrew, whoever. And he Keegan gets Andrew beat Key. up. Yeah, he gets beat up, right? And so then yeah. he's fucking licking his wounds. And that scene when he goes and sits at the basketball game is a wonderful Man, fucking scene. What a scene. So he sits trying to show courage, right? Because he wants to be near Desi, who is offering him an umbrella from this storm of hate and the fucking slurs that they're throwing at him. Right. And they're flicking his ears and bullying him. We're going to keep beating the shit out of you. Blah, blah, blah. When we see later that he was coerced into using a gun and shoots, uh, you know, call Andrews, Michael Keegan's Keegan's character, right. And messes up the plan because he's a ball of fucking emotions. Mm -hmm. That journey felt true to what I had watched on the film. And Eldon Henson, this was one of the first times you saw him and you're like, oh, wait, like, this is a real performance. Like, this yeah. guy's got more going on Well, he, I mean, we he thought. gives this... It always breaks my heart when he, like, right before Hugo finally, like, lets him go and shoots him. Because, like, also that scene is, by the way, like, from okay. a film perspective, choreographed <laughs> incredibly. Okay, now that that one moment is horrible though, because yes. I was like, it's it's gonna be this Han Solo question for me, who shot who? Because Hugo can't fire that gun, right? He's not holding the gun, so I was like, is this a long range suicide shot that they just showed really poorly? No, he's holding because the gun. he goes, bro, Desi's dead. Yeah, and I thought that I think uh, Elder Henson's ca- character it's, it's killed camera. himself. It's off camera. He takes the gun from him. You can see like when the it, like it's off camera because the shot is okay further up, but you can hear the gun like moving hands. Right. So and that's, I mean, I guess by the end he is in handcuffs and he's kind of caught up. So right on. So not 
but not a, the best plan. That's but, kind of an important no, it's moment a horrible, to land, but it's an absolutely horrible plan. But like, but that, I, but see, so Eldon Henson's on a, a true journey of right. of destruction that is relatable, that, empathetic, right? That's it's what relatable. We for o. But here's the thing, because like, this is what brings it back to this sort of like odd innocence and you're just like you're not even thinking about it so when the line gets uttered you're like holy shit this guy still is not caught on to what's happening is when so he because like obviously he bungles the hit essentially so he shoots keegan michael key cult leader in the leg or he he he, uh almost get no he almost gets shot himself because he tries to he he sticks up keegan michael key cult leader just fucking Ke- spilling the tea, dude. What the Ke- fuck? <laughs> Cult leader Keegan Michael Key w- takes the takes the gun from him, and then Hugo comes over and whips him with the tire iron. So yeah. he Brains bungles the hit, and then shoots him in the leg. So Eldon Henson shoots him in the leg, and he said it's supposed to look like suicide. It's supposed to look like suicide. It's this whole thing, and he they go back and forth. He's like, "Yeah, but I got him. I got him. I did it." They're going like, "Yeah, but what's going to happen?" This kind of thing, and finally. Eldon Henson utters the one line that I'm just like, that is the most heartbreaking thing and takes you right back to being 15 at some point. Like you're just like, you're looking on the precipice of being older and you're terrified is what if he wakes up and tells on me? You're like, Holy shit. He still has no fucking idea what's at stake here. Like there's no, right. There's nothing going on. Like he just wants a girl. There's still just like this. It's the only thing that matters to him. He he's in that he's a character that exists in that nebulous. Am I a child or am I adult place where high school kids exist? Right. And I think that that his journey in the film is is tragic. Yeah. And he's not played as just some sniveling worm tongue hanger on. Right. He he's He's a fully formed and fleshed out character who has but minutes on the screen. Mm -hmm. But it's truly fucking heartbreaking. And so the movie does wonderful bits like that right josh hartnett's scene is great the scene when his dad's talking to him right well i never had to worry about you you're good your mother doesn't get us right um shit like that right and josh hartnett's just framed in the door and his dad's off screen i was like that's wonderful that is such an interesting scene too because he like that those little beats like tim blake nelson does these like amazing little like character shots like that in the movie because then he leaves and and again, like I don't know whose choice it is, but like Josh Hart, Josh Hartnett clearly is an actor who understands what he's doing because like when he leaves, he immediately like zips his hoodie back up and like puts his food down. There's something about that that's so again like takes you back to that like where was my safe space in high school? Where was my safe space for any of this? Like mm-hmm. it's such a fascinating it's such a fascinating way to like put you back in the driver's seat of like where these kids actually oh they are high schoolers they aren't just like 23 year old people doing high school bits it's a really yeah it's a really those are really good little pieces that make you feel that make it feel real but that is also yeah but that's also where that's the part where the rubber meets the road like it's really hard to keep that going when there is this and again, this there's this Shakespearean thing where you have to you have to like suspend disbelief that absolutely no one is gonna ask a question. I again, it's a very hard thing to do, especially with movies like this and do like a tragedy like this. It's a very difficult thing to 
put your main character in a situation where he does a lot of unlikable things and then on top of everything else do things that fly in the face of any logic you and I know. Well, he can't be the character who's asserting his value at the end of these people, right? He right. knows what's happened, and he's like, I was not these things, right? Right. It's like, okay, but you are a fucking murderer. You're a fucking yeah. rube. I mean, it's like it's hard to – that's You're the not... only scene when he's asserting who he well, is like, and this and that. You can't smell the setup? Like, come yeah, on. Yeah, and it's, it, it's just hard, man. They took all of his, his voice and heart away. And and I, this is the thing too. If this movie were just Tim Nelson Blake, uh, Marvel Blake style, Nelson. injecting the abomination, and this fucking hideous mess comes up, and he gets smacked in the head or whatever, if that's what this was, you just dismiss it and never talk about it, right? This right. movie, it, it was this close at times, right? Like there's Very really much so. good work that's worth watching. There's really good, and you're like, had they just. Maybe done one more run on the script. The best way to the best way that I have always because look, I'll, I'll be honest, it's the first time I've watched this movie and really been like, oh wow, there is like, besides the obvious problematic stuff, like the follow through is very difficult for a lot of reasons. But I think the best way to I would describe O oh, is just it's very uneven, and I think yeah, yeah, like one more pass on the script, one more run through with an editor. And there's like a re there, there's a very good movie accessible in this. It's just surrounded by stuff that is like flying in the face of like discomfort and logic to a point yeah. and a lot of the to a point where you can't suspend disbelief anymore. Right. And there there are movies that delve into things like this, right? But I like still right enjoy off it. the top of my head thinking of this. Took me back to that scene in Dead Poet Society, right? One of the most mm -hmm. tragic moments I've ever seen in a movie. But it's handled deftly and with seriousness, right? Mm -hmm. In this movie, I think it just took the term Shakespearean tragedy and said, got it. Yeah. Uh, and it just it. kind of runs amok, right? And it's just all tragedy, but hollow tragedy, yeah. right? It's it's not a, a tragedy when well, it's tragedy. Your, your fucking filet of fish falls on the ground. It's probably better for you, right? Well, it's tragedy until like 40 minutes in, and then it becomes like eventuality. And it's hard to get that back when you have someone who's done something so despicable and yet yeah. you're still supposed to root that they figure out yeah. that someone's trying to fuck with them. Yeah, and it, it loses that shield of the kind of lifetime thrillerness right. as it starts taking these darker detours. And Definitely. I don't know if this is just uh, – this is Shakespeare. This is the problem with adapting something like this from a different time and with such a different voice, right? Is I think some performers and writers and this and that, you, you feel the pressure of Shakespeare. Right. And so you can't just make the teen melodrama about a love triangle. It has to get amped up because this is serious art. And I think Othello is one of those examples where the, the heart and the kind of human messiness of the film really shines. But that that need to make it real art, right, and just amp it up to such an extreme that then it it yeah. kind of unravels a lot of the rest of the good work. It's hard. It, it reminded me of that, you know, the original ending of Clerks was Dante gets shot and murdered. Right. 
don't and like I remember yeah, and then and you're like no one wants to watch that. Well, fucking Kevin movie. Smith. Kevin Smith tells a story like he sent the tape to John Pearson and John Pearson comes like, listen, it's a great movie. You got to fix the ending. It was a great movie. He's like, what's wrong with things? Like, don't put the audience in a situation where you have to, they have to pay for you not knowing how to finish your movie. Yeah, and like and it is. It's one of those if if the whole movie's one thing and then at the end it's like oh well Dante got fucking murdered and well now I feel terrible and you forget all the fucking jokes and gags along the way. And this is not a comedy, but that kid who's winning an MVP is going to go on to a college and change his life, right? This guy who takes it on himself to say, hey, my teammate should be up here with me winning an MVP. That's the only way I'll accept it. Right. By the end of the film, I'm looking back and I was like, was that not who he was the whole time? Because that's exactly. the guy I wanted to follow. That's the guy you want to follow the entire time. And like, there are just like, again, it's it's very hard because Othello is supposed to be a tragic figure for a reason, and Othello in this context kind of yeah. isn't. So yeah, I mean, again, I I think O's an interesting movie. It's an uneven experiment, but it also uh, succeeds in a lot of ways that I don't think people are expecting. Yeah, I I would agree with that. This is not just a turn it off because it's not. I mean, it is captivating as you watch these. Just decisions being made. Also, I had to say, Amy said she would get really mad at me, my wife, if I let the pod go through without stating her uh, absolute vehement defense of Julia Stiles. Nope. Because I kind of asked her, I said, what was the deal? She was in 10 Things I Hate About You. And oh, it's we're almost talking like, about overall. Yeah, Julia we Stiles. thought she was going to become like this Molly Ringwald of the like, late 90s and shit. This was like the third one of these she did, by the way. She was in, God, what was that movie where she did that dance and you look back on it now and it's so fucking funny. You're like, that is the worst dancing in the history of movies. Are you talking about Save the Last Dance? Yeah, where she does like the, it's like worse than Napoleon Dynamites. Yeah, but I, well, it's I feel, basically This Napoleon is the thing. Dynamite. I feel bad because she, I feel like she's a an actress who was so unprotected by professional directors. You gotta see that dancing and go, no. We can't put this on, on, on on the screen for people to mock right right like we got to do better by her in some because she's really good in 10 things i hate about you i will i will admit that she's wonderful in that role yep but i asked amy i was like why did everyone think she was going to be like our molly ringwald and amy's just like i loved her she's great i loved all her movies i loved all of her performances i was like hey all right i'll state both sides right well both sides it um so i had to get that out because i know amy would be screaming at the fucking speakers uh, that I went after her her best friend, Julia Stiles. But yeah, uh, this is the thing. Shakespeare can intimidate. Uh, and I think that this movie shows it. It's it's a fascinating film. And I don't want to detour anyone from watching it. But go in knowing uh, what you're sitting down for. Uh, <laughs> I went in totally blind. And it was quite an afternoon. It's an experience. This pod really brought is. to you by The Virgin and the Dinosaur, a great book that also has... Sorry. I'm just... See, that's the kind of literature <laughs> I give you for your birthday, uh, which is amazing. The Virgin and the Dinosaur. Uh, the Dinosaur doesn't strangle the Virgin to death in, in the movie. Just so but... we end on a clearly high note that makes total yeah. sense. All right, guys, that's <laughs> it for O. Woo, what a ride. Uh, we are not done, though, with our study of the Bard. We'll be back. With more Shake a Spear classics of the cinema, guys. 
Uh, we also have some amazing movies on what's our Patreon ne- page what's next? this month. What's our next? What's our what next did one? you pick for the next one? The next, ooh, the next one is Michael Almereda's uh, Hamlet with Ethan Hawke. <laughs> Another Julia Stiles. Oh, my God, Julia Stiles is in that one, too. Wonderful. Good Lord, Wonderful. Yes. But so is Bill Murray as Polonius, so I'm down. <laughs> my bounty knows no limit. <laughs> Your cup runneth over. Just <laughs> runneth over. My cup, I'm drowning in cup. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's it. So, yeah, guys, patreon.com. We have awesome patron exclusive movies this month. Again, uh, the new system will be out by the time you guys hear this or next month. So, get in now. Lots of fun over there. Patreon.com slash film alchemist pod. Even a dollar, guys, is greatly appreciated. Share the show on your social, another great way to help. Leave a rating and review wherever you find us. You can email us, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel, Film Alchemist, to see our beautiful hawk-like faces, right? Some pods want to be hawks. The rest of us are just down here being normal-ass birds. (laughs) That's fine. Does that make sense? I haven't settled on it. By the the way, does it even matter? Oh, Oh, ow! What if Andrew oh. Dice Clay had just come in at the end? Ow! Oh, damn. Now I really he's, want the, that. he's the crime scene investigator. He just walks in on all of these dead kids. Ow! Oh, yeah. boy. What are we doing? Ow! 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 That's like that. Yeah, we know he is a suspect. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, one extra thing before we get out of here. Props on them for putting Hartnett in the handcuffs. I thought they were going to just walk away from that. Yeah, glad Uh, they made him do the perp walk. That's it. I can't anymore. Bye! Bye!